You're listening to The Sizzle on WGVE 88.7 FM. This is the stat man, JB, from the CCP, and I'm rocking with J and G Sizzle. So what are you waiting for? Fill the heat with The Sizzle, the hottest talk in the 219 on WGVE 88.7 FM. Don't forget to use the hashtag, hashtag Sizzle219 and hashtag Iron Skillet Media to join the conversation on social media. How about you, man? Hey, man, I'm doing great, man. I am just happy to have you on. I'm glad that you're here. And ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, this is Frank Marshall from the Chicago Clubhouse Podcast. CCP back in the building. Everybody knows JB Stats. Everybody loves him. But you got to love Frank the Tank because Frank is the man. I... I love Frank. That's my dude. That's my guy. So I'm just saying right now, everybody who has something crazy to say to Frank, just wait until after he gets off the show. <laughs> so, I'll take it. Okay. So, Frank, let's let's start off, man, because I wanted to get you on to get some information. Now, a lot of people don't know that the Chicago Blackhawks just got the number one pick in the upcoming NHL draft. A What I've been told. And that's why I wanted you on so that you could tell us. We've been told that this is a franchising, franchise-altering pick that's coming up. Can you tell us and tell the listeners about a young man that's – is he out of high school yet? No, he's not. This is a 17-year-old kid where since he was 13 years old, he was guaranteed to be the number one pick in the draft that he was able to get drafted in, and that is this one. Like, wow. everybody's been waiting this long for this guy to come out of this draft. And when you say a franchise-changing type player, I mean, that's it's more than that. This guy is the next future great hockey player to come into this draft. And to say, like, that we got the number one pick, and the last time we had the number one pick, I'm hoping everybody knows who that was, and that was our guy, Patrick Kane. Who he's going to go down as probably the greatest American-born hockey player to ever lace up the skates before he retires, and that that's no no hands down no no question in regards to that. This guy coming out of this draft can be way better than Patrick Kane. And you, you know, no, sir, you you're just speaking. You're speaking words now that are blasphemous. You can't just oh, I can't know. just keep saying that. I know. And, I mean, it is blasphemous because you never know, knock on wood, because I am a superstitious person. Like, it, it could be a bust for all we know, and I pray to God that it's not. But when you look, and I, I was offered right out of college scouting positions to go do scouting for hockey and everything. So I, I'm really good at, like, just looking at a player and seeing what his struggles can be, what he needs to work on. I have nothing for this guy. This guy is a great setup man, a great passer. He's got a rocket hard sniping shot. He is fast. He yes is only seventeen years old and he's not that big, but if you if you see this guy just training and working out his calves look like a freaking an offensive tackle for the NFL. They're huge. <laughs> they, they say like, this guy is just built like nobody is. Nobody knows because in hockey you wear so much equipment you can't see that stuff. Right. 
Now they're but, talking about they're talking about this guy is the next Sidney Crosby. I could see him even being way better than Sidney Crosby. Wow! Wow! Hold on, wait, 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 hold on. And I know hold it's blasphemous. I know stop, stop, everybody. Stop, this sir, is stop. Some part, somebody just drove off the road fooling with Frank the Tank. And if you don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about Connor Bedard. He is a WHL hockey player. He's a cent, he's a center, and he's the captain of the Regina Pats. Correct. At 17 years old, you are correct. That's amazing. And he's been the, the captain, captain since he was 16. Bruh. So hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. This kid has been the captain of this hockey. He scored 143. I'm looking at this points, 71 goals. I mean, you're talking. This, these are numbers. This is Gretzky type numbers. This kid's putting up. You know, he has destroyed every single junior record out there in junior hockey record. He's broken every single one. And I'm going to tell you another record he just broke, too. The Blackhawks, in one and a half hours, they found out that they won this that they won this uh, draft pick. $2.5 million yeah. in tickets <laughs> were sold in tickets, one and a yeah. half hours. Bruh, it, wait. <laughs> Let me ask this question. And, Frank, you can help me. Is he even coming up next year? Is he going to be yeah. with the, the Blackhawks next year? He better. <laughs> like, he better. Like, I mean, this, if if you brought Patrick Kane into this team at 17 years old and he still did what he did, there is no reason why Connor Bedard should not be starting day one for this team. No, now, Frank. they they need to put a team around him, though. Yeah, that's what I've got to say. The, 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 Hawk, the Hawks are a little thin now. The cover's a little bare with, with the Blackhawks, right? Especially with the captain not there anymore, even though we would know he was on his last skate as it was. COVID did him an entire job. But yeah. will the Blackhawks, tell me a little bit about the Blackhawks, because I know this is a team you follow um, all the time. Will the Blackhawks have enough to first thing to put around him? Secondly, who's going to protect this kid? You need you need a guy that's going because you know this is the NF this is not the NFL but this is an NHL, and yeah. we know these guys when these high quality prospects come in these guys start headhunting. You know, Absolutely. who is the guy? Or, or, or are we looking that we're, we're going to have a goon squad coming to the Blackhawks? They're going to have to try to protect this kid because we know there's going to be people out there trying to take his head off. Absolutely. And, I mean, you, no, you said it perfectly on that one because right now, no, they have nothing. Uh, they, they have a lot of skilled players. A lot of people don't realize this. Their, their AHL team, which is the Rockford Ice Hogs, has a lot of skilled players. you still got Lucas Reichel who's down there. He's doing phenomenal work. they got a lot of great players that are coming up still very young. But the one thing that people don't know about the Chicago Blackhawks right now is they have still over $32 million in salary cap that they can spend. That, so they're, that's so phenomenal. what you're going to do in a situation like this, if you're putting the GM hat on me, what you're going to do is you are going to call teams like, let's see, La, there's a few Canadian teams. That, there's a, at least four or five NHL teams out there who are trying to unload salary cap by trading away players who are good but not living up to their contracts. So they're going to try to dump them, and they're going to try to they're going to try to ask like say, Blackhawks. Still, a lot of people don't realize Blackhawks have two first round draft picks this year. Obviously, wow. the number one pick. They also have number twenty. But there's also rumors floating around that there's a team in Canada right now who is asking if we would take a still. He's like a fifteen goal scorer. He's he is. Like, I'm not going to say a goon, 
but he is a pretty much a real nasty type player, a grinder is what they kind of call them. And he would cost us like $6 million a year, which is too much for anybody who's trying to, you know, stay under the salary cap. But those are the type of players you need to put an extra kind of dart. Still very talented players, but grinders who are going to make sure that nobody hurts this kid. Well, let me ask you this, Frank. Do now not only talent wise, do the Blackhawks have the infrastructure? Because we're going to talk about Justin Fields and we're going to talk about the NFL in a minute. But do they have the infrastructure ready to accept in a Connor Bedard? Do they have the coach? Do they have the trainers? And after all the Blacks off, the Blackhawks have gone through for the past two or three years with a lot of scandal, a lot of turmoil. Are they ready to have this type of player as a part of their fold? Would I rather have Connor Bedard possibly come out of next year's draft or the year after that's draft and we get him? Yes, I would. But do I think that they haven't? They have the coach. All right, I, I really feel like they do. I really like this coach. He was a 18-year veteran in the NHL, and he's also like a grinder type coach too. So. This is a dream come true for him to get a coach like this. So I think this is, like, they threw out a six-year rebuild. What I call that blasphemy. That's visual. Pardon my language on that one. But that's that's BS when it comes down to a six-year rebuild. Yeah, You're only saying that to save your job for six years. Um, but you signing, getting Connor Bedard with the number one pick, that six-year rebuild just should have went to, like, two Mm-hmm. Because now you need to start putting a team around this guy. And there's rumors around. I know you always see these memes going around in these videos of Patrick Kane says there is no shot he's ever going to come back to the Chicago Blackhawks right now because they're rebuilding. That that thing that he said was before they got this number one pick. Mm-hmm. The very first thing Patrick Kane tweeted out when the Blackhawks got the number one pick, Connor, he put Connor Bedard to Chicago, things just changed. Did, did Patrick Kane just say he is now considering coming back? Because that'd be crazy. Well, would, would, the, would, the, would the Blackhawks take him back, though? I mean, I think that had or that general manager would literally sign his death warrant if he did not take Patrick Kane back under a friendly contract. Hmm. Patrick Kane doesn't need any more money. He's made a lot of money here with the Blackhawks over the past, his whole 16-year career that he had with them. It, it it really, all of this, when you start putting it all together and you start putting these pieces together, the Blackhawks seem to be in line and ready to be the next powerhouse, maybe for the next 10 years. Because we were just talking about it before you came on. We were talking about generational talent, especially in basketball, football. You see where generational talent takes you past wherever you, you thought you could go. The LeBron James, the Tom Brady's, the Patrick Mahomes, the Patrick Canes. So now with Connor Bedard, is he, are we saying right here, I just want to get it on record that we're saying he's the next big thing in the NHL? Yes. I will put myself on record saying that right now that he is. Because of the fact that his skill set, it's, it's, I, I, it's not something that you see coming out of the draft. Like, this NHL draft, the top three picks are all really good players. That They're going to be great players in the NHL. But that separation from one to two is just massive still. 
So let, let's talk. Let's, let's flesh that out because we have a number of people that are Blackhawks fans, but we also have a number of people who don't uh, who are, don't understand what we're talking about with this young kid. All right, what is it about his game that sets him apart? Is, is, is it his speed? And I'm, I'm probably going to say you're probably going to say yes on everything. Is it his speed? Is it is it his stick handling ability? Um, is it you know is the way he plays defense? What is the thing that sets him apart? Well, I mean, you pretty much said everything that sets him apart because yeah. most of these people who come out of this have just one dominant skill. And this guy has multiple. Like, if I had to throw his best skill out there, and if anybody wants to go out and look up Connor Bedard highlights, is you watch his training on how fast that puck comes off of his stick. Yeah, that's true. It is It is. It is insane because that is a goalie's nightmare. Because goalies, and I give them all the credit in the world, the way that they make these amazing saves is they read that puck coming off somebody's stick. Yeah. And Connor Bedard puts that stick, like the way it rolls off of his stick, it comes off so fast the goalie has less time to actually be able to react. Yeah, and you know what's really weird? His, uh, they, they showed a video of him, and it was, and it was uh, they had some, they mic'd up on the ice a little bit, and the puck sounds different when he hits it. You know, it's it's just, it's accelerated, um, and and he gets, he gets to his position to shoot so fast. Like, mm-hmm. really, the defensive the defensive uh, player, the defenseman, can't really react to him. I mean, it's just so lightning quick. You know, it's almost like a cobra strike, how fast, you know, he gets that shot off. And I'm just amazed by that, that this kid is being him. What about, what is his background? I mean, was his dad, is is this some super kid that was created in a lab some kind of way? Or is he he just (laughs) God-gifted? It's it's honestly it's god gifted. Yeah. I mean, he his whole family plays hockey. They're all good hockey players. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, obviously he's Canadian. I'm pretty sure they give them a hockey stick when they're born. Yeah, absolutely. Up there in Canada, but when when it comes down to that, like this guy has been doing stuff like this since he was nine, ten, eleven years old. Wow. And he immediately started getting global highlights when he was only twelve, thirteen years old. He has one highlight out there where he was twelve years old where he is literally behind the net and he picks up the puck by bending the stick, picks it up on the heel of his stick, wraps it around and throws it, not even shoots it, throws it up top shelf on a goalie. That's, you that's see amazing. 17, 18-year-old star players do that. You don't see a 13-year-old do that. Yeah, it's just, it's just amazing. His, his, um, his hockey acumen. You know, yeah. some people are just hockey savants. You know, they just see the game. I, I think he's one of these guys, a lot like what Gretzky said, that he sees the game, and for him, the game just slows down. He yeah. can see the movement. He knows where people are going to go just by their velocity of how they're skating, which way their edges are in the ice. He just sort of, and I think this kid is one of these kids, his his mind just processes these things so quickly. Because, you know, that's crazy. And maybe I, I, I'm seeing it. Look how he gets open to shoot so much. I mean, mm-hmm. people are riding him. I mean, this, this is a guy, you know, that kid right there, we're not going to let him shoot. He reminds you uh, in, in a lot better version of a Steph Curry. Steph Curry was not like this coming into the league. But, like, let's take let's take um, when Steph Curry was at his peak. This is basically what this kid is now coming into yeah. his league. And he's one of these guys, I don't care what defense you're throwing at him, he's going to find an angle to get this shot on goal. And here's the scary part about it. He don't miss a whole bunch. I 
mean, he puts that, but you don't see a lot of pucks flying by, going and hitting the glass behind the goalie and stuff like that. You see this guy putting the ball, on, putting the puck on the goalie, and the goalies have to deal with this thing, you know, and, and he's amazing. Um, he can go top shelf when he wants to. Oh, he can go anywhere where he wants to. I mean, if you, like, watch his highlights, and this is a lesson for anybody who's learning to play hockey when they literally tell you to keep your head up, Yeah, his head's never down. Yeah. He is looking where he is going to shoot. He feels that puck on his stick so perfectly because a lot of people, right before they shoot, they got to look down really quick just to make sure they see where the puck is. Yeah. This kid never looks down. Yeah, have you ever seen a quicker wrister from anybody though? A, a kid who doesn't really have to wind up and just put and just get the puck on. I mean, I watched a couple of things. I knew you were coming on, so I, I tried to get uh, my my I tried to get my <laughs> hockey in, and uh, and I knew we were going to talk about this kid. And I just like the little wristers. I mean, the little quick flips that he just he just sends in there. And I, that, I, I think to me that's that's one of those things that's scary as a goalie. Because if you see that big windup, you can sort of okay. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get locking on this puck. But when this kid yeah. can just get, when this kid can just can wrist it, and it's coming like a slap shot almost. That's just amazing. It is. And I mean, when you're when you're talking about like that, like I'm throwing a name out there right now, and it's for anybody who knows hockey. Uh, the best hockey player in the world right now is um a total. Oh, Connor McDavid. Yes, absolutely. Hands down. He, he's the one in Edmonton Oilers right now. Yeah. The greatest hockey player right now I've seen in a long time. And that's who I'm kind of comparing Connor Bedard to. He's not as fast wow. as Connor McDavid is. But, I mean, he's not that much off of that. But it's just like Connor, Connor McDavid has that wicked, hard snapshot and everything, yeah. too. Yeah. But the difference is Connor McDavid did not come into the NHL with that wicked, hard snapshot. This kid's already got it. So what? What about what about now on the defensive side? Is, is this can this kid? Is he going to be a liability? Um, you know, coming down and and being able to play on it because you know one thing about. Uh, NHL hockey, you got to be able to play both sides. I mean, you got to be able to, you know, because not they're going to figure it out and they're going to pepper you. You know, they're going they're going to beat you up. They're going to they're going to they're going to um, um, attack you if you're not a guy who can hold up. Is, is he that guy on the defensive side? Can he play well enough that he's not going to be? Especially, at, uh, you know, look, these are grown men. He's getting ready to come up against now. I mean, grown grown men who have to who have mortgages and have to pay childrens and fiance and and the side person. And whatever else they got to take care of, and um, this, these paychecks mean a lot to them. Are they going to? Is he going to be able to hold up against these men now, who um, who their livelihoods depend on doing well against him? Is he going to be able to hold up on that type of pressure? Well, I mean, that, that, that's a great question, and I mean, right now, like he is a very good two way hockey player, okay. and that's another thing that's not hurting his game or anything like they're saying this guy has Jonathan Tays type two-way hockey wow. this guy has Patrick Kane type vision this guy has Patrick Sharp type snapshots like these are all great Blackhawk players put yeah. into one player yeah it's, like, it's, yeah, it's absolutely it, amazing it's gonna it's gonna be a very interesting series because I mean it, it, you've said it perfectly it's a totally different ball game when you're playing in the WHL over there in Canada against young people who are trying to get to that level yeah. to play in the NHL when you're already playing it because these are big boys in the NHL right now so let, let's talk a little bit about this let's, let's, let's uh, I want you to be devil advocate I want you to get on the other side of this a little bit um, how can the Blackhawks foul this up um, because we know uh, since the the heydays uh, of Kane uh, 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 and, and Taves and, and and the guys when they were riding down, 
you know, and going to Grant Park and, and doing those things. We've seen them not being able to put together, especially in the last few years, put together really competitive ball clubs. Um is this group going to be able? I know they got the new coach and everything else. Though, is this group going to be able? Do they have what it takes, or, 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 or are we looking at? Do we need some changes there? Because this guy is going to be great, but we also know too, organizations can mess a, can mess a really great player up. What, what do you What do you think about that? I mean, no. I mean, are they going to be great? Like, say with Connor Bedard in the lineup next year, are they going to be a playoff team? No. Okay. They're not going to be. They, they don't. They don't have enough around him. Hockey is not an individual sport. Yeah. It, it clearly one hundred. When you're talking about basketball, if you have a Michael Jordan on your freaking team, you're going to be pretty damn good. Yeah. All right. When it comes down to hockey, you need to have depth. So you need. This is going to be your star player. He's probably going to be your captain on day one. It really would not surprise me if he gets wow. to see on day one because of all the hype. And there's there's not a lot of players on that team right now that I would say is going to be future of this team. Like most of them are all in Rockford right now in the AHL because there's no point in bringing them up. If you're just going to bring them up to lose, let them progress, let them improve, fix their games down in the AHL. You've done that now for the last two, three years, because we've had a pretty good AHL team for the last three, four years, even when we were struggling here in Chicago, because we are trying to get those draft picks. Very true. And, and like that, that's like the key thing. You're going to see a lot of those players day one with Connor Bedard in the NHL now. Well, let, like, since you said that, let's start there and think about Cal Davison has what they have eleven picks this draft. They've got the number one and the number nineteen pick, and they've got four second rounders. So, how does he best utilize these picks to maneuver and get another player or players? that add some depth, that can add around what we're already looking at with Connor Bedard. What does he do with all these picks this year to get the Blackhawks in contention for the next five, ten years? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this now, and I'm going to put myself on record saying it. I don't think he is going to pull a polls and, tr- and actually pick all these 11 picks. I think you're going to see the Blackhawks moving up a lot to get players that they know is going to fit well with this guy. Hmm. Like I, especially with those four second rounders, mm-hmm. I can see them bunching up two or three of those second rounders to move up in the first round. Okay, okay. To try to find another very good player to play along with him because they had two. Let's not forget they had two first round draft picks last year too. Correct. That actually did not come into the AHL. They were finishing college. They're coming out this year. So you're going to have another two very good players coming to play along with him already as well. But again, this is this is a young start. This is it's gonna. I'd probably say, give it two, maybe three years, and then this team's gonna start making those big moves where they're gonna start bringing in good players because there's already a lot of players who want to play with this kid. Well, let's, you know what? Let's pivot from that because you brought up, and it was a perfect segue. You brought up Ryan Poles, and you brought up some of the moves that he made, and we hadn't had a chance to sit down and talk about what the Bears have done lately, but. As they put everything together, as from the draft and everything that's that's fallen into place as of right now, how do you feel about the moves Ryan Poles made for the Chicago Bears and what they have put together so far? So far, I think he has done an excellent job. Like, I still feel we do need a defensive pass rusher. We need, we need to find some of those guys out there right now. But the best way to improve – 
that defensive pass rushing on the outside is to get those stuffers in the middle to actually do some of the grinding work as well. And I do feel like they got those with those two um, second round or their second round, second and third round picks that they got this mm-hmm. year. And there's still a lot of people out there, right. I mean, who are not happy that the Bears passed up on Jalen Carter. Yes. And I was like, I'm sorry, I am not. It's like I, I was not a fan from day one of mm. Jalen Carter. Okay. Especially when they were saying he was going to be better than Will Anderson. I said, yeah, you guys are full of it. There is no shot he's going to be better than Will Anderson. He, I, I hope I, I never wish somebody to be bad. Like I, I'm never going to wish somebody to be bad coming out of the draft. But this kid has too many mental problems going on right now that could really affect his game. I just don't think that the gamble that you're going to put in the in a young Bears locker room. Yeah, you you are you are what me and you are skipping hand in hand down a field of lilies right now with that same sentiment. I I said the exact, same exact thing about this kid. I just thought he showed up in one of the most important days of his life, um, you know, to and, and he showed it to to his job interview in a pair of flip flops and yeah. a ski mask. Basically, he wasn't ready to go. You know, he couldn't even get through a very short part of his workout. To me. That shows character issues, number one. And if you're going to start throwing money at these guys uh, early, I mean, the best thing he did, he went up to a team that has defensive linemen there who are able to mentor him and who, oh, are, going be, and who are going to be able to get in his business if they need to. And he's also people he he's looked up to. I mean, that's a, that defensive line up there is really solid where he's going. I think if he came here with the Bears who are not, in that type of situation, who on the Bears is the person to tell this kid not to do something? We don't Nobody. really, we don't have that guy. You know, we don't, we don't. I mean, who's the who's the Bears captain? We always know the quarterbacks are, but beyond that, who's their captain? You know, and so uh, this would have been a situation. I think that this would have been just too unstable for him. I think Poles knew that. If the Bears would have been in a little bit different situation, maybe ready to go, and maybe they thought they could mentor the kid. Because, but here's the thing: you saw in these big games, he went away. I mean, you just see yeah. his name being called a lot. And we know in the NFL, what do they do? Those those one and three <laughs> techniques, they double-team them and they beat them to death. And you might not hear their name getting called the whole time, but these guys got to be trying to penetrate the gap and got to try to be putting uh, pressure up the middle. I don't know if this kid's going to be able to do that, especially when you have NFL centers and guards beating on them all day long. And mm-hmm. that's just a situation, I think, with uh, this kid. I just didn't character-wise, I didn't think he was going to make it. And secondly, boy, look look, look what that, that pick sort of turned into. Is. I mean, we got a mauler uh, that's going to be playing right tackle for us, uh, the kid out of Tennessee. In my opinion, the best offensive lineman in that draft. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'll, I'll... I fully, truly believe that. I like Paris Johnson, too, yeah. but I think this guy's footwork is just insane for somebody who is so big. You know, I was, you know, I, I, I was a, I was a right tackle when I played uh, out in Arizona way back in, way back in the days when it was a Pac-10, and I would have given. Uh, Anything to have feet like this guy has. Yeah. I mean, just to be able to move. I'm, 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 I'm sure he's great on the dance floor. I don't know if he's one of those guys. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, no, I don't know if he. Ju- I don't know. I can what... see him giving a nice boogie, man. Like, oh man, I'm telling you, footwork like that on the field. Yeah. Right. Just balance, balance alone, and then he's got the mental capacity to attack and attack and attack. And I think along if we can get Tevin Jenkins somehow get that back, um, get that back fixed, and, and get that kid on the field, I think we're also now we got some nasty coming up there. And now we can go back and look at that little bit of that '85 Bears magic might be starting to show up because we know every offense 
runs off their offensive line. If we can get these big guys up front and start balling a little bit, I don't care what running back you put back there. They're going to be good. And then also we get the young Justin Fields able to stand in the pocket a little bit, hold the ball a little longer because we know that's what he likes to do, and we can push this ball downfield. Yeah, and I mean, you, you said it, you said it, you knocked it out of the park when it came down to it. And you like even when you were talking about with the Jalen Carter showing up, yeah. you know, out of shape, not even able to finish the workouts. And then you you saw the workout that they did with our offensive tackle that yeah. we drafted. Like, there is no way Jalen Carter could have done that. Absolutely, that workout that they put him through, he would have walked off of the field. Yeah, yeah. and like, and that that's a big part of it. And like, I. On our podcast, on the Chicago Clubhouse podcast, I put a little like pivot table thing together. Where first, or when we had the number one pick, uh-huh. to show the difference between all these elite type players and everything. Jalen Carter, and I'm not even just talking about the championship game where he was non-existent. For both of those playoff games, non-existent. He go on there and show any of his highlights against a top 25 team. There's just nothing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's the closest to NFL caliber talent that you're going to be playing against. He put up good numbers when you were playing up against, you know, 2-13 and 13 type teams. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, he, he's, he's really good against the little sisters of the poor, you know. But this is a guy, I just don't think, uh, once this NFL pressure gets on him, Especially when that when that when that Philadelphia press gets hold of this guy, when he mm-hmm. when he when he's out at the club, you know, one hour too long, and he and he and he gets out and he gets manhandled in the NFL, they're going to be all over him. We know how that we know Philly's terrible, and I mean we think Chicago's bad, but Worst Philly's fans terrible. In sports, right yeah. there, baby. And, and, Worst fans in sports. You know, they'll, and they'll pelt their own guy with snow with with, uh, with snowballs. They'll hit if they'll hit Santa Claus, they'll definitely mm-hmm. hit him. And mm-hmm. I don't and I don't know if a kid mm-hmm. liked it. Because we know, uh, which I believe, anytime you see your teammate in a car accident like that, and you leave the scene of the crime, you to me that's just your character is is, is null and void. I, I do, and I just think this kid's not going to be able to hold up when the scrutiny's come, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden now, especially when he has that money, you know he likes to eat. You know how you know and you know that comfort food. Imagine out there. hearing the Chicago food out here. If oh, you did, they're drafting oh him. Goodness. That'd be some bad news. Yeah, I'd be seeing him up at Harold's Chicken all the time, pounding <laughs> down on that chicken, eating that whole damn thing. Yeah. My God. <laughs> so when you look at all of these guys that have come in, man, I, and I know I we talked about it, and we've talked about Darnell, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked about it on the podcast, but we've talked about him at nauseum. What is it that makes him so special? Because I keep hearing guys say at the mini camps, at the rookie OTAs, he's been great. He's already establishing himself. He already has a name for himself. He's shown himself to be a leader. What is it about offensive tackle Darnell Wright that makes him the pick that Poles went with instead of taking the defensive tackle from Georgia? And I mean... When it comes down to that, and you said it earlier with being a mauler, this is exactly the type of guy Pace wants. I said, Pace, my God, get out of here, Pace. <laughs> this is exactly the guy Poles wants. Yeah. He wanted those hard grinder type people. Like, he came out and said, if anybody hits my quarterback after the whistles, I'm going to lay him out. That's the type of guy we want. That's the type of guys that we got when we got Jenkins. Braxton Jones is like that. We're really hoping he makes the next step. Like, I heard he's had a really good offseason where he put on a lot of weight and muscle, so I'm really hoping that's going to help. Like, we have a very mean offensive line, and I think we immediately got better when we dropped Sam Mustafer. 
We immediately got better when that happened. <laughs> you, you know how I feel about Sam Mustafer, and we shared that we were not Sam Mustafer fans. You know the problem. No, our, our whole podcast is not Sam Mustafer fans. But you, you know, no, pretty sure my boy, my boy Terrence on that show literally put together a video of how soft he is. The, the, it, it's insane. The problem is too. You have those smallish, mm-hmm. um, those smallish centers. You know, the thing that has to happen is those guys have to be incredibly quick and have have extreme leverage that they can use to get onto guys, post them, and then get up to the next level. Mm-hmm. Because those guys are the guys they're going to pick up, pick up the you know, on the front side. They're going to try to get up to that Sam linebacker, or they got to turn back side to go get the will. But this mm-hmm. guy right now, you know, he, he wasn't getting anywhere. He was just getting mauled. It's bad. It's bad when you get pushed back in your quarterback's lap on a regular basis. That's just, you know, yeah. a thing we just can't have happen here, especially with the great centers that we've had here with the Chicago Bears. You know, the, uh, just, you know, guys, Hall of Famers that have been coming through here and all of a sudden we get a guy who plays that soft in the middle. This is this is the black and blue division, you know, not, not uh, I will get knocked down division. So, yeah, it's just one of these situations that we got to get tougher on this offensive line, and we know that this kid, um, the big kid from Tennessee, right, is going to be that guy because he's already knocking people around, and they don't even have pads on yet. They, they, no. they have, <laughs> there, there's an article in there. They said they had to tell this guy to sort of slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, hey, man, let, let's not let's, let's not run over these guys, but we're going to need them. Uh, we, <laughs> you know, we're going to need them here later You can't on. hurt your teammates. Yeah, right absolutely. You so, can't yeah. hurt anybody. Yeah, you know. But listen, since we're talking about teammates, Frank, you got to tell people, how do they catch up with Frank the Tank, JB, Ty? How do they catch up with you guys, and how do they follow you? How do they check out what you're doing weekly, monthly, every day, on the web, on the every place? How do the people follow you? Well, I mean, we got we got quite a few. You can follow us on Facebook. Um, that is just simple, the Chicago Clubhouse Podcast. We also have it on YouTube. We're trying to trying to transfer all of our Facebook people over to YouTube. So I'm throwing it out there now. Please find us on YouTube before you find us on Facebook. But we'll take you on both. We also we also got Instagram. We got a lot of people out there, same exact type thing on Twitter and everything. We're always tweeting stuff. And I mean, our show specifically, me, JB, Foulmouth C, you know, Terrence, we have our own main show on Tuesday nights, which is the Chicago Clubhouse Podcast, eight o'clock every Tuesday night. Eight, we no. usually have we usually have great guests. Um, we had you on a few times, so didn't we? We had some great yes, times up on yes, there. Yes, sir. We've had and, some and great it's times. The one thing that we do on there is we we just have fun. We be ourselves. Like I mean, that, those are like the key things on the now, podcast. Now, now Frank, how how big is the delay on the dump button on that show? <laughs> there is no dump button. So. Yeah. <laughs> there is no. No, no, no. It's, no. it's real. It is all the way live. Yeah. It is hot. Now, you talk about hot fire. Oh, yeah. Boy, it can get hot. And, and shout out to my man, Foulmouth. Yo, Foulmouth C is, uh, bruh, when you talk about His, his name is Foulmouth for a reason, too. So, so we're, we're, we don't censor our stuff on our show. That's yeah. for sure. And listen, man, and, and because of him, now I've I have to carry around a baby Yoda. And so, <laughs> he did start that. Yeah. Yes, he, he definitely did start, and it's yes. taking off. There's a lot of people who are asking for that Yoda thing right now. Yes, so I'm I am carrying the baby Yoda to give me guidance throughout this this whole thing. But look, Frank, we got to talk some more about some of these moves that have been made, man. Because you're here, and I got to keep you while you're here. I know you got to go. In fact, you had hockey all day, right? I did. I had our championship game today. The to- the Beavers out of Aurora. We did win the championship today. Kudos all to them. Mm-hmm. 
Ooh, get well. Wait a minute. You gotta wait. You can't just let it go that quick, man. You gotta give a pub to that. You gotta give some shouts out since it's beat. There's, there's a lot of teams out. There's a lot of players out there, man. There's a lot of shout outs. My, I'm still kind of new to this team because I played all throughout college and everything like that. Um, hockey, love hockey, and uh, one of my uh, good buddies out here, Andrew, found this team for me. He's on it, so he brought me in. So, so I'm still kind of new, learning all their names out there. So, I mean, shout out to all them. It's a great group. We have our beers in the locker room before the games. <laughs> our water bottles are filled with beer. Oh, and then we man. have our beers at the end of the game, too. So that's men's league hockey when you get a little bit older. That's it, for sure. It, it, it sounds like a good time had by everybody. You know, you say, hey, honey, I'm going to go play some hockey. It's like, yeah, okay, sure. You know? <laughs> yeah. I really, you know, at this point in life, if I put on some skates, no, I wouldn't. I, I, I was getting ready to go somewhere. Well, you, you, you look like an oversized Bambi. And what was that movie that's trying to... <laughs> Who was the goalkeeper, man? They just What movie was that where they just stuffed him in the goal? Oh, the... the uh, oh, oh. I forgot. It, it, it was, I forgot. The, wasn't, that, wasn't that the Mighty Ducks? When he was awful goalie? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was the Mighty Ducks. Bill yeah. Goldberg. Yep. Yes. Not Bill Goldberg. That's wrestling. That's just Goldberg. Yeah, Goldberg. They just stuffed him in there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just stuffed. And then he he was a goalie who was afraid to get hit by the puck. So, oh, man. It's, it's fabulous. So then they just tied him to a net, and everybody just kept whacking slap shots at him until he stopped crying. It's oh, a great, yeah. great way to learn right there. Well, there, there was a, what, what is your favorite hockey movie, um, Frank? That you, that you, I've been, I'm trying to remember, though. I think there was one of Long Shots or something like that at one point in time. Uh, you got it right. It's not that exact words, but I will say that. That is the greatest hockey movie of all yeah. time. It's called Slapshot. Slapshot, that's right. It's yeah. still the oldest hockey movie of all time. And anybody who is going to ask, like or anybody who's going to say their favorite hockey movies, if Slapshot is not number one, yeah. you don't know hockey. Absolutely, that, that's that's just that's how it is. That is the greatest number one movie, and there's nothing even close to taking that away. But yeah. there's other great movies that are more newer type recent movies. Like I really enjoyed um, the Miracle with mm. uh, Kurt Russell playing Herb Brooks, mm-hmm. the yeah, 1980 yeah. Olympic team beating Russia. That was a great hockey movie. I, I thought that was pretty good. And it was depicted, yeah, was it was depicted pretty well, too. You know, I mm-hmm. thought it was... Um, um, and what, what people don't realize, that was not the championship game. You know, that, no, it, wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't the championship. That's the only game that mattered for America at that yeah, time. Yeah. That was the key thing. But then think about that, too, was it? You saw that rush. I, I watched a, a, a documentary about that. And it went over and started talking to the Russian players that were on that team. And they talked about what happened to them afterwards. And yeah, I think it was called, like, the Red it was called the Red something, the Red yeah. Soviets or something like yeah. that. Yeah, where they were just ousted out of Russia when they lost that game. Yeah, it was Russia really bad. It was. Really, I mean, some of these guys actually had to leave Russia. I mean, it yeah. was it was that they bad. They were put out of their home country. Yeah, this was this was, and not to come back. They they didn't return. This was there. Were, of, there were a few people who were in the NHL really? from that team, Russia team. That literally Russia would not let them come back. Yeah, this was this was probably I would say probably the biggest upset in sports because because this team was beating <clears throat> NHL teams. I mean, going mm-hmm. out playing. I mean, this team they were barnstormers. These guys were fantastic, and they were all college players too. None of them were a professional player on that team. Yeah, and well, Ruzioni and, and a few other guys, mm-hmm. you know, and and and, um, and these guys just came together. But Brooks ran them hard. 
and he just pushed him and pushed him and pushed him, and and somehow or another, they, I don't. Now let, let me ask you a question: Do you just think they called they, if they if they played the Russians nine more times? Do you think they would have won, or was it just magic on one day? I, I there was a lot of magic when it comes out of that. There's there's no question about that one because that Russian team was just unstoppable. Like nobody could beat them. But Herb Brooks, the coach, brought in a system. And this is where systematic hockey really took off was after that 1980 championship win because you build systems to smother teams. Yeah. And that's what they did. That's why they pushed them so hard to kind of keep this Russian team from going to the inside. And Russia just kept trying to force their way to get by them, thinking that they were way better. And Team USA just turned out to the point where they were just in better shape. And, More than anything. And they were riding those guys out to the boards alive. I remember he was talking about that. They were just keep just turning these guys away from inside because the Russians were just really like a blitzkrieg, basically. They were mm-hmm. just they would just overpower people and just, you know, outskate them because they were so strong. And the United States was just able to, you know, build a wall, basically, turn these guys away, and it took the Russians out of their game. And I think the Russians, for a little while, I think they were just like going, well, you know, it's the, it's the, uh, it's the United States. We're going to look past them right now. And I don't really think they started. When they tried to turn it on, by that time, they were gassed. You know, and United States was just in that much better shape than they were. And, um, you know, and, and just kudos, kudos to that. I think that's one of the few times that we really saw an amateur-type um, status team really take on a pro team and yeah. beat them, you yeah. know. Uh, you know, I think that's really a turning point. In sport, in and of itself, can we see now with the nil money coming in and everything else? Now we're going back. We're going back into the into the uh, early 1900s, where you know, team guys used to play for one team, one college team, and the next week because that team played for a little bit more money, they wouldn't pay over played over there. Basically, that's what these mm-hmm. nil that's what these nil contracts are going to be. Yeah, like. A lot of people didn't realize too that 1980 U.S. hockey team. I don't think really one of those players had a good NHL career. You're absolutely right. I mean, a couple None of those guys did. played, they, but they just were good. They put yeah. a team together. Like, that team was just built so perfectly where you didn't have one star player. That goalie pretty much was the key reason why they won. Yeah, Craig, Craig, right? Well, that was his name, Craig? Yeah. And yeah. he never even made an NHL roster. He, he was signed by the Atlanta Thrashers, and he never made the NHL roster. He was really? always well, on the well, NHL team. Well, he, he was standing on his head that game. I yeah. mean, you know, you know, and, and he just played so great. Um, he was seeing everything in front, but I think what the best part of it, they kept they kept turning those guys from rushing down the middle at him. Mm-hmm. And, and they were all shocked that he was able to see. Him. He was able to see him. They because they, mm-hmm. they were clearing. They did. A real, I know. I was watched the, the documentary. And they just said they did a real good job about clearing those uh, Soviets from in front of the net and giving him a, giving him the ability to see the puck. And we also know that's the name of the game in, in uh, hockey is that if you can get get in this guy's vision. And, you know, either read, how do those, you know, okay, Frank, I've got to ask one quick question. I know we're going to let you go yep. get out of here in a high second. How do these guys redirect, those guys sitting in front of the net, and you're a hockey player, how do you see the puck to redirect that puck, you know, um, off the stick going into and, and redirect it around that goalie? It's so funny that you said that because I'm going back to my championship hockey game where I scored the game-winning goal off of a deflected shot. No kidding. Really? Like, how about that right there? That's it is crazy. all hand-eye coordination. Like, it, it truly is. All hockey players have amazing hand-eye coordinations where you see that puck and you just get that little flick of the wrist. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing. And, it, and I hear all you guys are pretty good golfers, too, because you guys got that swing down. So it, It's amazing. 
amazing that most hockey players are pretty good golfers. Yeah. That is 100% true. Wow. I, you know, there's so many things you don't know and you learn on the fly. But again, you've got to let listeners know how they can listen and follow you and keep up with everything that's going on with you and with CCP. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm going to throw out like not even just the Chicago Clubhouse podcast because we have a whole Chicago Clubhouse network. Like on Wednesdays, we got She Said What She Said, which is like women's power. They usually have great guests on there. Um, if we want to know our Cubs socks, even though both teams, for the most part, really stink this year, especially my White Sox, oh. awful this year. Um, yeah, awful. But we have our baseball guys on Plunked on Sunday nights. Um, we have one Sox guy and one Cubs guy, so it's great conversations that they have. And we have Easy Does It Now, who's somewhat new to our network on Thursday nights, where he's just kind of that talked about everything from UFC to to boxing to Bears, Cubs, Sox. He'll, he'll pretty much talk about everything, and he does great work as well. So tune in whenever you guys want. Just look at the Chicago Clubhouse Network, and you can watch us all. Listen, with you saying that, that was a great transition because we said we were going to talk a little baseball before you got out of here. Now, everybody knows it. the, the Chicago is a south side, uh, north side thing. But right now, it's more, I guess it's trending more north side. But what, Frank? Okay, look, we got to talk about the Sox, bro. I'm... I just don't have an answer. Okay. Like, I don't know that's what a, is. I didn't even ask there. the question. That's, and a that's, clown, that's a clown car. That's a clown car on the right? south side. Uh, they got oversized speed. It's 18 of those guys getting out of a Yugo. They do it every time they go out to play. I've never seen this. Okay, hustle, Frank. Why can't we run the why can't we run the first base? Why can't we do the little things? Why can't we catch a fly ball? I mean, it's just so many things but this has been going on a long time. They've it has been. You know, it, it's they've had a and, and I'm wondering now, is this just is this a lack of leadership? Is this a lack of Tim Tim Anderson not being the guy? You know what I'm I saying? Mean, I, I love Tim Anderson. I really do. I still think he is the guy. I still think losing Jose Bray you hurt. Oh, absolutely. Because he, he was a great leader on that team for Heart a long soul time. Hard and sold there. Yeah. But when it comes down to that, like the hustle and everything like that, at least when we're talking about our star young our young star player, Luis Roberts, not hustling down to first base. And according to him, he kind of had that nagging hamstring injury. That's why I did it, which I call BS on that. But the coach kicked or pretty much kicked him out of the game and suspended him for the next game. Good for the coach. Yeah. In a case like that, good for the coach. That's how you got to get these people. But it's not just that. Like, it's like, I mean, Eloy Jimenez, come on, man. Well, he's got like, an epidectomy going on, You're talking about a guy who can't stay healthy. Like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, he's out, he's out, what, four to six weeks now or something? With yeah, four to six weeks now with an abdomen injury. Yeah. He had to have surgery on it. It's just like, it's just one thing after another. And now all those times where we were saying, it was like, oh, my God, we absolutely won that trade from the Cubs. I can't say that anymore. Actually, we did get Cease in that trade, too, didn't we? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, we won that trade. Never mind. But the, the issue is right now, I just want to say, um, I, I'm going right to the leadership. I'm going right um, to the manager who's in the uniform uh, in, in the dugout with these players. Um, he's got to set the tone better than that. Yep. I mean, you can't I you can't set the tone after the fact. 
You know, if 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 you have kids and you want your kids to act good when they when they're out and out and go to a restaurant, you better make sure they're acting good when they're at home. You know, and apparently he's letting stuff get away. Go, I don't know what's going on in that White Sox clubhouse, but these guys are the most disjointed group of guys I've seen. I mean, you know, it's 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 um, it's just like the where's the pride. Um, whereas, I mean, you know, you, you don't, I don't know one of these guys who will grab another guy in the collar in there and say, Hey man, you need to get your crap together. Like, you know, next time one of you guys don't run down to first base, I'm coming out the dugout and I'm slamming you right there on the field. You know, you got to have that guy. And like you said, Jose Abreu was at least a professional. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm the, to me, this is like really amateurish um, baseball right now. You know, like, you know, you're waiting for the, the, the chicken race to start out there and, and the hot dog giveaway and somebody come out there with a shirt cannon because these guys are not playing the game in, in what I consider a professional manner. I just, you know, they, they, I just don't think they enjoy the fact or respect the fact that they're playing Major League Baseball and they're getting paid a good dollar. And the problem, they're getting paid way more than a good dollar to play that game. Yeah, and it's just it's, insane it's, how it's much. embarrassing. And this was a team a couple of years ago. We all looked at that team and go, "Hey, you know what? This is a team that could that could make some hay here." Yeah. I mean, yeah. everybody thought Larusso was the problem. It's turning out to the point where that might not have been the issue. I do feel Larusso started it because I don't see the love of the game in any of these players. Absolutely, like I, I really don't. I don't see them having fun like they did that first year before Larusso took over. Like where they were joking around, great, still hustling every single time, dives. Like you just don't see any of that anymore out there. And this is the reason why I think uh, what I brought up to Tim Anderson before, because he's um, the 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 one person I could just put a spotlight on. I think he was. I think he thought he was superstar before he was star. You know, and and I, and I really believe that this is a guy who who thinks he's better than what he is, and his natural talent is going to carry him. And the one thing we find out, natural talent is not enough to win in these in these pro leagues. Not like this. Agreed. All these guys are great. All these guys were the best in the best that ever played at their high school. The best, you know, we've never seen another phenom like this before. Every one of these guys are these guys, and now you got to have will and heart to put it all together. I just don't know if Tim Anderson wants to pay that price. You know, once you're able to drive the nice cars, have the, you know, the the dates that you want to have, you know, all these type of things, where 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 is where is the mamba mentality for these guys? Where where you know and that's what that's what I'm concerned about with the White Sox cuz we understand that very quickly the wrong player could set your franchise back four or five years. And yeah. they put a lot of eggs in the basket with Tim Anderson. I mean, they really made him the face of the White Sox, and I don't really don't think he wanted to be that. Uh, you know, and, and so now you look at a team, but to me, it's disjointed. What do you think is going to happen now? Do you think the White Sox, as constructed, uh, can they pull this thing together? Because it's still early in the season. Can they it, pull it, it is still very early in the season, but I also look at the fact of um... – that team has a lot of talent. There's oh, no question that anybody's going to say that the White Sox don't have one of the most talented teams in the major leagues. But I do feel like they got the wrong coach. I've, I've been on record saying this numerous times. There was no excuse why you should not have thought about bringing Ozzie Guillen back. Oh, absolutely. You, you know Ozzie what? Guillen holds his players accountable. He will, if you don't hustle in practice, you will not play in the game. It does not matter who you are. See, like, and that is something that we are missing. 
We we are now skipping even we're we're skipping through lilies and roses together right now. Yeah. I said before, Ozzy Gian. I don't care what your front office says. I don't care what these guys up front. You know, this is you stay out of White Sox business. A certain guy I won't even mention his name right now. Um, but Ozzy is the guy who's going to come in there and all the shenanigans are going to stop. You know, he, yeah. you know, he, 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 you know, Ozzy's going to come in there. All you know, you got the you got the music playing. We're going to turn that off. You know, we're going to take the the free Coke machines out until you guys earn this. Until you guys earn playing here. You know, then, then, then you're going. It's going to be Spartan up in here until you guys earn the right to have what you have. Because did, I, did you like just quote Moneyball right there? Yeah, absolutely, that's exactly sir. What Billy Bean did, yeah. Absolutely, that's hey, I, exactly I, what Ozzy Gein would do as well. Yeah, I agree with that. And so it's just, it's just one of these situations. I'm just, look, if, if the Sox didn't have a good roster, I wouldn't really care. You know, yeah. I just wouldn't care. You know, it will look. Hopefully, you get five hundred. You know, maybe. But no, this is a team that this is a team that has a chance. And uh, for them to just, you know, we know how hard it is to win a championship. When these major, when these championships are hard to win, and I, to me, I think baseball is probably the hardest championship to win. You know, yeah, I agree with that. And uh, because of the skill level it takes to get there, and, and the continued. Um, as you go up in the playoffs, it just gets, and the pitching gets better and better and better. I mean, you know, you got some of these guys are just throwing, you know, fast, you know, 100 guys throwing at 100 miles an hour, and these big, you know, these, these rosters, these, these pitching staffs that are coming at you. And, you know, I just thought that the Chicago White Sox would be a team um, in Chicago that'll have a chance to do something. And that's, I think that's the reason why I think as, as Sox fans, uh, we're disappointed. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're just... Di- we're embarrassed. Yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. I think that's a better yeah, word. This has been an absolutely embarrassing start to the season. Like I took this season as there's a lot of people out there who are not giving the White Sox any love, so maybe they could sneak in and have a monster year, but they just they did the exact opposite and just lived up to the bust. Because well, if they don't figure this thing out like this might be done this might be their last year and they're going to start gutting the team again but if you're going to do that that gm is fired that president is fired all of that front office should be gone well that's a good question because the bigger question now is should kenny williams still be there is rick Hahn still the person that should be spearheading all of these rebuilds and putting together these teams and getting in coaches how does this if it if it all falls apart right now where they are in the standings they have the third worst record so they would be somewhere around the number 3 pick in the upcoming draft but you know drafts for for baseball aren't as impactful as they are in other sports yeah, how do they pull this together to make it work and if they can't I'm going to do the the J I'm going to put you on both sides of this if they can't get this together, what has to happen for the White Sox? You're gonna you're gonna gut it and you're gonna start all over again. Like and that is with Kenny Williams gone. Mm-hmm. That is with Rick Hahn gone. In my opinion, I really hope they sell the team because I, I hope he sells the Bulls too. Because I think we have a horrible owner and everything like that for both those organizations as well. And it it should be a full gut rebuild, start all over because you cannot. You cannot have this happen. You have until pretty – once you get closer to the trade deadline, that's where the conversations have to start. But if you're going to start seeing, like, people yelling at people, players fighting with each other, like straight Major League 2 when people are fighting in the locker rooms and everything. Yeah, like, it is. It's, it, it's going to start coming to that because this 
to the point where if you're not enjoying the game because you are pretty much embarrassing yourself out on that pitch. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's bad. Especially when you're flipping over and looking at that north side right now. They're not that great of a team, but they're fun. Yeah, and at least they're right, close they're to 500. Young, fun with a lot of big names that you really thought were done coming out of nowhere. Like they're putting the love in baseball right now. The mm-hmm. White Sox are putting the dud in baseball. <laughs> they're putting that dud in it. Well, listen, man, one more time, give it to the listeners before we get ready to get you out of here. One more time, how did they find you and CCP and the whole CCP network? Yeah. And in CCP Network, you could easily just go on YouTube and search the Chicago Clubhouse Network. That's going to give you all the shows that we have on our network. We have a show on Tuesday night. That is the Chicago Clubhouse Podcast, where you're going to see me, Foulmouth, Terrence, and JB the Statman on there. And then we do got She Said What She Said on Wednesday nights. We got Easy Does It on Thursday nights. And then we got Plunked, which is our big baseball one on Sunday nights. So listen, so if you we haven't, all have a yeah. great time on our podcast, we enjoy ourselves. If you haven't found the lineup and you haven't heard it, then go right now. Find Chicago Clubhouse Network. Make sure that you're putting them, locking them in, and make sure that you're following them on all your social media platforms. And make sure that you go over to YouTube, watch the content, make sure you subscribe, like, and make sure you share that information on your wall, on your page with a friend, with your grandmother. Because you didn't get her Mother's Day gift, and she needs a <laughs> gift. That's what she's got to get. Yeah. That, that's why I say that. I'll put it that way. So, listen, man, Frank, I appreciate you coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Our fans appreciate it because this is the only place in the region you can get that in-depth when we talk about the Blackhawks. So, man, yeah. we appreciate you. Thank you for coming on, man. Thank you for having your your Saturday free for us to sit down and just pick your brain and talk to you. Yeah. You ever you ever need me on again to talk more hockey, you know where to find me. Hey man, thank you so much. You know who it is. It's the sizzle in the building here on WGVE eighty eight point seven FM.